I want to give you a Latin phrase this morning that is unique to Lutheranism. It is the phrase, simul justus epicator. It's a phrase maybe you've heard before and maybe you haven't. It means, at the same time, we have over us a declaration of forgiveness, of holiness, of righteousness, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us by His cross and resurrection. And yet, at the same time that declaration is made over us and pronounced over us, we remain sinful people. Human beings with flesh and bone. The flesh of Adam and Eve. And there is then a war that rages on within us because of these two things that exist simultaneously. Hear what Paul and how he describes that in Romans when he says this. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. We call it saint and sinner at the same time. It makes me think often of Robert Louis Stevenson's novel, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, because in that novel, Dr. Jekyll struggled with those two things that went on with him, as did Paul. But he thought that he could separate the two and eliminate the bad. We know also that in coming to faith in our lives, it is totally the work of the Holy Spirit who creates that faith in our hearts and frees us and redeems us, connects us to the cross of Jesus, and that it is His power alone. But also we know that through baptism, that faith that is created or confirmed in baptism has made us a new creation. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the sacraments mold and guide and influence us and our choices in life. That war, that battle within that goes on takes its toll as we see its results. For often in our lives we ignore the work of the Spirit in favor of us. Paul says this today in the epistle when he says these words, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Last week in our series, Turn, Pastor John talked well about turning from things and turning to things. How God calls us to turn from destruction to life in Jesus. And how often we turn from life in Jesus to destruction because of our self-will. You see, included with that in our self-will... It also has the ability in us to blind us to the realities and the truth of what God is calling us to. To blind us so much that we focus only on ourselves. 
Harvard professor Stanton Peel, in his book Love and Addiction, made the following observation, that we have a psychological preoccupation with something often. And in that psychological preoccupation, we can become fixated on one thing, so fixated that all other things are blocked out. We have a one-trap myopic view of things, and we lose perspective on things and people. And in that, it gives us the ability to delude ourselves concerning what is real and what is not. What do I mean by that? Let me give you some examples. For instance, when we ask that question, do these genes make me look fat? We delude ourselves into thinking that we don't look fat, that we want to hear that reinforced. Or when I say to somebody, hey, I still look like I'm in my 20s, we delude ourselves in that. Or this lottery ticket that I just bought, this will be the one that will really win the lottery. We've convinced ourselves. Or ice cream won't affect my diet. You see how easy it is to believe things that are not reality. And we pass that on even in our desires and the things that we want in life. We delude ourselves into thinking often that what we have, what we gain, what we need is what will give us the ultimate life. The latest fashion, the latest tech, the stuff that we seek greater popularity and acceptance and inclusion and we want to be the cool kid on the block and we do these things at any cost. We get so caught up and focused on living in the world that our self-illusions even begin to tell us that what we do, everything that we do, is in fact right and that we should follow that path. That is, until the bottom drops out. We lose a job and suddenly all the security that we have built up and focused on in our lives is gone and we are left trying to figure out what happened. Our marriage falls apart and we can't see the part that we played in that failure, only the part someone else has played. Or we do find ourselves to be popular, but in the silence of our lives we feel utterly alone. That sinner in us that wants everything from this world, its stuff, its glitz, its glamour, its value, focuses so much on everything that the world has to offer that nothing else matters. I say that because that's what Paul is saying when he describes those who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. When he says those words, their God is their stomach, what he means is they are totally self-absorbed and focused on themselves. But lest you think that doesn't apply to us, remember that is the legacy of the sinner that is within us. And so Paul challenges us in this battle, in this war that we rage between being saint and sinner. And in Romans he says this to us, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You see, he said their mind is set on earthly things. 
And so he challenges us and says, follow my example. Model those who follow the cross of Christ. Imitate these things. The sinner desires what it wants, to turn to self. But the saint desires more than just this. The saint, Paul says, desires the reality that we have in Jesus Christ. So how do we deal with both of these things in our lives, both at the same time? Well, the world would give us one set of values and one set of ideas on how to deal with those things. For instance, in that fictional book, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll thought that science would be the answer to separate those two personalities, the saint and the sinner, and that he could do away with that sinner and only have the good. But also in that book we find that that idea and that pursuit ended in destruction. The world offers different religions, and the religions tell us that all we need to do in our lives is perfect ourselves even more. Perfect the imperfect. Follow this path of life. Keep walking it. It's narrow and it's hard, and we can get there and we can conquer that evil in us so that only the good remains. And world philosophies, they tell us that we're even fools to worry about it. Stop struggling against the two things that are in you. Embrace everything. Stop looking at one as evil or not. Everything you do is fine. Simply celebrate it. And the problem with all these world approaches is that they all lead, as Paul says, to destruction. And it can make you want to scream out, then what are we to do in this war? In this battle, how are we to live? And I would say you're in good company if you ask that question. Because Paul said the same thing in that first passage in Romans. He said, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? How do I turn from destruction? And he answers that question then in the next verse. Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, Paul realized, and we must realize in this battle and in this struggle, that we ourselves cannot turn from destruction, but only Christ in me can turn me from destruction. It doesn't mean that I sit back and relax and enjoy the flight and say, well, you do all the work, God, I'm not involved anymore. It means that the power of His cross, of His Word, of His life-giving body and blood are the things that enable us by His power in us to wage war against that sinful flesh. Luther would say that we daily need to, through our baptism, destroy that illusion of self-focus, destroy that old Adam. And baptism means that because that has been done to us, that is the gift we have received from Christ, it means we cannot save ourselves, but Christ, through the waters of our baptism, can We need to set our focus, as Paul says, not on the here and now, but on those things that we know are true that the Scriptures tell us of what we have been given through Jesus Christ. 
And Paul calls us to stand firm. But why? Why does he say that? Stand firm. And what is it that we are to stand firm in? And he uses those words at the end of the passage when he says, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Those are powerful words. Words that we hear often. You know where they're used? Those are the final words that we say over someone in a funeral. Earth to earth. Ashes to ashes. Dust to dust in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection by our Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subdue all things unto Himself. You see, we can stand firm against our sinful flesh knowing that it will be laid to rest one day. Knowing that this blanket and this declaration of righteousness that is laid over us is the very thing that will transform us one day. Our flesh will be gone and our life will be transformed through the power of Jesus Christ to rise once again with a body that is not subject to decay that is not subject to sin, but is like His glorious body in every way. See, Paul challenges us to stand firm in this, that the victory is ours, that in the battles that rage, the ultimate war has already been won through Jesus Christ and His cross. For He has freed us from what we see in our body. He has freed us from that stain of sin. And though we struggle against our flesh, the final victory belongs to Him and His victory on the cross over sin. Daily we rise through that baptism to a clean slate that has forgotten the past and presses on into that new day with the gifts that He has given us to strengthen us to help us in our choices, the choices that we make each day to love or not to love, to care or not to care, to reach out or to remain self-centered. Jesus' cross alone is the power that can transform our lives by knowing what we have been given through His death and resurrection to move us, to mold us, to shape us and to empower us to be His people in all places. May we ever see that cross, that symbol of victory for you and I, that tells us that what we see in this struggle of life will not overcome His power, His grace, and His forgiveness. Will you pray with me? Jesus, your transforming cross is the power that enables us daily to fight this battle between our flesh and between the gift we have in the grace you have given us. May we ever, Lord, remember that the victory is yours and seek those things that you have given us, those powers that come from your word and your gifts alone then enable us to remember our true citizenship, our identity is in You. That the victory is won because You live, we live too. 
And may we ever, because of that, turn again to that life-giving cross, away from destruction, and that our lives may imitate you in all things. We ask this by your power and in your name. Amen.